Welcome to This Week in the Warner Archive Collection, where we discuss our newest releases. I'm George Feltenstein, and I'm proud to be joined by my colleagues, Matt Patterson and D.W. Ferranti. We have many new additions to the Warner Archive Collection as we add them to our ever-growing list of products. How many do we have this week, Dan? Nine! That's right, nine new releases from the Warner Archive Collection. We have one television series, four never-before-on-DVD feature films, and four feature films that were on DVD that weren't on DVD that are now again, once again, out of print, in print, on DVD from the Warner Archive Collection. Plus, we have our instant picks, our picks for favorites from the Warner Archive Instant Subscription Video On Demand service, which you should try for two weeks free on your PC, Mac, Roku, or iPad, a two-week free subscription. And if you're not a Warner Archive Instant subscriber, you can't consider yourself a movie buff. So we'll be talking about Warner Archive Instant. And we recently had a birthday, and people sent us missives, cards, letters, all sorts of things, and we're going to be reading those shortly. So let's get that out of the way so we can start talking about the new releases. Headed off with Maverick, the complete fifth season starring Jack Kelly. And we also have the four new films, which are Wildcat Bus, Race Street, Sky Full of Moon, and Slight Case of Lossany. And then the films that are back in print, that were out of print, that are now in print, are Broadway Bill, Detective Story, Islands in the Stream, and Falling in Love. So let's start the proceedings and talk about Jack Kelly starring in the fifth season of Maverick. What's interesting is people watching this will see in the credits that James Garner's still listed, although he had left the series. And let me point out that I then started fast-forwarding through them to try to find the James Gardner episodes. Right. Well, which were repeats that were folded in with the new Jack Kelly episodes. (laughs) Yes, there are 13 episodes in this final season of the original Maverick TV show. And what they did was they had Roger Moore in season four, and in season five, they knew it was the end of the line for Maverick. So rather than bringing on someone new, they had repeats of the James Garner episodes that had been made in prior years, alternating with new episodes starring Jack Kelly. And that kept the folks at ABC happy and the Maverick fans happy. And that was how Maverick ended its run on network television. But he'd be back so more than once. On this uh, DVD set, it's pretty much, it's all Bart. It's all Bart, but the credits do indicate James Garner. Although Jack Kelly quite correctly has top billing now. Yes, and he's great. It's fun to see all the Bart episodes. Garner has a bit of the glint of the rogue, but like Jack Kelly has the great slow burn because he's as smart and as scheming as Brett, but things tend to go more wrong for Bart. He's like the Larry David version a little bit. <laughs> I like these episodes so very I. much, so and I. I wish that they had kept going. Yeah. yeah. They were all super strong, but as Dan was indicating, it's sort of a series, of a cascading series of unfortunate events. Like life itself. Episode, I think it's four, maybe it's five, the Bonanza spoof mm-hmm. yeah. with Jim Backus playing Papa Realwright. Uh, as a Jim Backus fan, as you might have ascertained, this episode was a particular pleasure because I'm also a Bonanza fan. The episode Marshall Maverick. 
where he accidentally becomes Marshall, waiting for Wyatt Earp to take over. And perhaps it is not Wyatt Earp who shows up to be the Marshall. That one's like a almost straight comedy episode. So this is a three-disc set, and it winds up the original Maverick series, I'd say with a bang, not a whimper. Because it's slam-bang entertainment, and folks waited a long time for Maverick to come to DVD, and now the original series is completed with this complete fifth season of 13 episodes starring Jack Kelly, and you will enjoy them very much. And there's more Maverick in the future. Really? Dan, do you have a good list of guest stars in this season? Jim Backus, Mary Anders, Jack Cassidy, Marie Windsor, Andrew Duggan, Mona Freeman, and Mickey Rooney's son, Tim Rooney, playing a leprechaun. Go figure. (laughs) Faith and Begotta. We'll be talking about Mickey Rooney in a moment as he is in the fourth of the four new-to-DVD feature films we're adding to the Warner Archive collection this week. But we're going to start out on Gower Street at RKO Studios with a woman who had a very close relationship with a very, very large ape, Faye Ray. That's no way to talk about Bruce Cabot. (laughs) (laughs) Faye Ray of King Kong fame had a career after King Kong, and she made a lot of very interesting movies. But she is the star of this very much B, but very much beautiful An entertaining surprise that you probably have never heard of, but that's what the Warner Archive Collection is here for, as well as bringing you great things that you've been longing for. Discoveries are part of what we help you discover, and I think Wildcat Bus starring Faye Ray and Paul Guilfoyle is quite a discovery and uh, quite a nice hour-plus entertainment about Bus Wildcatting. What a good movie, and what a surprise. Knew nothing about it. I'd yep. seen its name floating around the schedule, and I was always intrigued, like, Wildcat Bus? What is this, about a bus out of control? I, is it a pre-make of the I big bus? I thought it was going to be about striking bus drivers. Yeah, and, and instead what you get is this great example of, like, why we love B-movies, because B-movies know no genre that they will pay attention to. This is almost like a proto-noir comedy. It's a noir comedy with a little bit of the the gritty Warner Brothers crime thing, although this is RKO. But, I mean, it has that, like, ripped from the headlines feel to it because it's about a wildcatting operation that's – wildcatting is an illegal taxi that is in opposition to a legitimate bus line. But there's a noir thread with a vendetta. And then straight out of Commedia, you have the broke aristocrat with the manservant that's loyal to him that he can't pay. And then you have Faye Ray playing the all-purpose Ted – who's running her father's bus line. And yeah. it's a great movie. And this is directed by Frank Woodruff, who also directed the Warner Archive collection Kay Francis epic Playgirl, which we released, I think, last year. Now, moving on to 1948, but staying at RKO, we have Race Street, which is a film noir that was going to be released earlier in the year with some of our other film noirs. The release got delayed while we created a new master because we always want to bring you the best quality. George Raft stars in Ray Street along with Lynn Barry. And Ray Street is not a proto-noir, but it's a solid noir. And it's a great setup because Raft plays essentially an independent criminal who is coming up against the organized criminals, and he's the voice of the other independent criminals. And, of course, you've got William Bendix as the cop. And what movie with William Bendix as the cop is not great? And great shots of San Francisco Mm -hmm. at the time. And, you know, it was... Very much a, a 
good world building. And George Rapp's character, he has a code of ethics, and he's trying to reform, and he thinks he's found his, you know, a wo- in a woman that he could be uh, reborn as a nightclub uh, operator instead of a criminal. But, uh, you know, femmes can sometimes fatal on you. Harry Morgan's in this and is really strikingly good. This is a very young Harry Morgan playing an older character, and you buy Which it. Which he did. Yeah. You know, he was always playing older characters, even when he was a young guy. And uh, Colonel Potter with a limp. <laughs> the next film we have takes us from San Francisco in Ray Street. We now go to Las Vegas for Sky Full of Moon. And this is an example of MGM trying to build the career of, of a young performer, Carlton Carpenter, who starred in the previous Warner Archive collection release, Fearless Fagan. It's one of Dan's favorites. He's even got the comic book behind his desk. It's true. <laughs> Carlton Carpenter is best known for having performed the Abadaba Honeymoon with Debbie Reynolds in Two Weeks with Love. But uh, MGM was trying to break him out as his own star in more than one film. And Sky Full of Moon, he plays this kind of young Jimmy Stewart-esque kind of... But a cowboy. He also reminded me a lot of uh, later on, uh, like, Will Hutchins' Sugarfoot. Yeah, Yeah. very, you know, well-intentioned... But but more innocent. He really is an innocent who kind of stumbles his way into Las Vegas. I mean, like Wildcat Bust, this film is very remarkable... In that it's constantly shifting its genre lines. It right. starts off seemingly as sort of a light-hearted romantic comedy, and then it takes and a then left it turn takes a left turn straight into noir, like Western yeah. noir. But then it continues to zigzag. It ends up being this kind of remarkable coming-of-age story. That's and exactly. What I need to mention Keenan Wynn. He plays the operator of a small gambling facility. It's a slot house. A slot house. There might have been a jukebox there. And oh, it's also great to see Vegas in 1951, oh, they, they did some location yeah. shooting there. Beautiful location shots. And I'd like to shout out to Jan Sterling, who we saw the previous week in Caged as one of the prisoners. And she plays the love interest who, she was making change in the casino. And she is of questionable uh, motives. But this is, again, this has a comedy twist, so it's hard to get a real read on the yeah, character. Yeah, you're like, oh, I didn't expect this. Yeah. And then it shifts again, and it shifts again. And it's, sort of, you just got to kind of watch the film from uh, the Keenan Wynn character's Al point of view, which is, yes, you're jaded. Yes, you're cynical. But deep down, you're hoping something else will happen. And, and that gives it kind of a modern indie film sensibility. Yeah. Hal Hartley would love this movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) The next film we have is from 1953 and is one of the several returns to alma mater MGM of Mickey Rooney after his contract with the studio expired. He came back for a couple of pictures here and there. And here, in Slight Case of Larceny, made 1953, he's teamed with Eddie Bracken, who we've talked about in previous weeks, most notably in The Miracle of Morgan's Creek, which is also available from the Warner Archive collection. But I think they were trying to make a little bit of a comedy team here. I think they were. They were definitely sort of trying to pair them up with Eddie Bracken sort of playing the the more steadfast yet easily manipulated reliable pal and Mickey Rooney being the quick thinking but not quite quick thinking as no. he thinks. Yes. It's a dumb and dumber setup. Yes. Yeah. There you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. There you and, go. But it's in the early 50s. It does have a slight case of larceny in it. 
and some scenes involving gasoline, which made me sweat. <laughs> and I had to actually tell myself that's just water because I kept expecting everyone to explode. It made me very well, also, nervous. Also, gasoline was, was 20 cents a gallon <laughs> oh, in those days, oh, not it was, $5. It was so cheap. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but this is a delightful comedy. And I think the way that you can tell how MGM was positioning the film is on the trailer on the disc. You see that, you know, it's Rooney and Bracken, they'll have you laughing in the aisles. Well, it's also like the, the film doesn't really have a conclusion as much as like, oh, let's segue into the next hijinks. Yeah, I think there definitely was an opportunity here to possibly start a series of comedies. And I would have loved to see the two of them with the beer in the plumbing sequence. Oh. But this one with the gas is very fun. You know, because it's like two army buddies, like not very smart, and then they get involved in hijinks when they buy a gas station together. And you could have inserted them in many other situations. A gas station that has a propitious location. <laughs> one of the or things, a propanous location. We have, we have a film in, in the library, Slight Case of Murder. We also have a film called Larceny Inc., uh -huh. both of which have Edward G. Robinson. This does not have Edward G. Robinson, but it's a slight case of larceny. So I think sometimes people forget about this movie because it sounds like other movies, but yeah. it's very much its own film. It's a little B-picture joy with a lot of A-level comedy, and we know that you'll enjoy it. Moving on to the back-in-print titles, we have four from Paramount. And this first back in print from Paramount is actually not a Paramount picture at all. It's actually a Columbia picture from 1934 and directed by the masterful Frank Capra. So why, you ask, is a Paramount presentation coming in the form of a 1934 Columbia film? Well, it's because Paramount bought it to remake as Riding High in 1950 with Bing Crosby, also directed by Frank Capra and also available from the Warner Archive Collection. And with much of the same cast. Much of the same cast and some of the same footage. And uh, that's kind of the trick of the two of them together. So this is Warner Baxter and Myrna Loy, who are the leading man and leading lady of this wonderful film that Capra made and was basically buried because of the sale to uh, Paramount by Columbia. A lot of people didn't see the original Broadway bill and it surfaced a, a few years back and now people can enjoy it again on DVD because it was out of print for so long. And this is classic Capra characters, wonderful storytelling, a wide variety of character types and character actors and great performances from Warner Baxter and Myrna Lloyd. Never lovelier. I just want to say that this is another good example uh, with the Warner Archive Collection. You know, you see his earlier film and the later film, same filmmaker. Why did he choose to remake it? That he loved this movie and he was making a deal with Paramount to do two pictures with Bing Crosby. Mm -hmm. And uh, they did the second one, Here Comes the Groom. The first one was Riding High, so in order to remake Broadway Bill, they mm -hmm. had to buy Broadway Bill from Columbia. And, of course, the fact that the a lot of the same – it was only 16 years later. Right. So a lot of the same character actors didn't look very different. No, and like Frankie Darrow, it's like who's the, the jockey in both films and it's familiar to fans of the Bowery Boys. I mean, it's like, boy, that guy. Well, he exactly never, same. he was a diminutive. I was going to say he didn't grow. <laughs> but it's true. He was, He just was a short, slight man. And because of that, he had a boyish look to him mm -hmm. even in his adulthood. So by the time he was in the Bowery Boys, 
that was 15, 16 years after Wild Boys of the Road, but he still had a boyish yeah. quality because he was very lightweight and and he was uh, of diminutive Hence height. Hence like a jockey. And often played the lightweight and boxer. Played jockeys and boxers, absolutely. But Broadway Bill leads off the pack. And then we move to an acclaimed film that I know earned at least one Oscar nomination, if not more. But I know that Lee Grant was nominated for Best Supporting Actress in 1951 before she was blacklisted. Didn't somebody just mention William Bendix as a cop? Means it's a good movie? <laughs> <laughs> and this is William Wyler's great noir detective story starring Kirk Douglas. Now, this was based off of a Broadway play? Yes. Because it has a little bit of, you know, imagine... Did you feel a proscenium arch being painted a, a, around your television a li- set? A little bit, but it worked in this sense because it had a lot of depth, which was what was going on in front of you. Now, in case we didn't mention it, we're talking about 1951 Detective Story. Oh, yes. Which is basically a day in the life of cops. And they're like kind of upstairs from the rest of the precinct, so all the special cases were up there. And it also has, because uh, we mentioned, I mentioned Caged again, Eleanor Parker plays a wonderful oh, role. Oh, there's a great cast. I mean, there's Eleanor Parker, William Bendix, Kurt Douglas, Frank Franklin, Lee Grant, who George mentioned. It's got a great ensemble story, multi-layered. We're watching characters come in and come out. It plays out great. Kirk Douglas is fantastic in it. I'm surprised that this film isn't talked about more often. Because it's about cops, it isn't quite noir, but it feels like a noir. It's kind of like scene of the crime you know, that really wasn't a noir mm-hmm. per se, but there was a femme fatale. Yes. There were cops. There was underhanded dealings. So Questionable it, it, moral choices. Exactly. But this is a really, really first-rate picture. And there's also, like, the sort of existential thing is, like, these cops yeah. are just, like, trying to stem the tide of fate, and they're not going to win. So this is a Paramount classic that has been missing in action, but now it is back and available on... DVD from the Warner Archive Collection, and you won't be disappointed if you pick up Detective Story. We move ahead to the 70s, to George C. Scott, and a story by Hemingway, Islands in the Stream. And what did you think of this film? George C. Scott, he's the best dad ever. (laughs) (laughs) It's Hemingway-esque. It's in the Bahamas. George C. Scott is pretty much playing Hemingway. He's playing Hemingway. He's alienated from his family, his assorted by different wives' kids who come to visit him. Meanwhile, Nazis lurk off the coast. Much like Hemingway's own experiences around Cuba during World War II. And I think it's interesting that this took so long to get to the big screen. I think this was a hard story to tackle. Yeah, and the film is structured in a very, I mean, it's like a four-act film. Yeah. Yeah, and each one is a little separate, but yet, you know, it's united by the characters in the sense of place. Very strong. If you like the beach, if you like the sea and you like bitterness they all go together nicely and the next film we have which has been out of print and now back in print stars two people who aren't seen very much on movie screens nowadays (laughs) their their careers kind of abated in the 30 years since it was released Um, it's a shame they seem Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep what happened to them? <laughs> anyway, Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep were already established. Both had already won Oscars at this point, and 
Yet this film was made 30 years ago, Falling in Love. It was an unlikely love affair story that's really quite charming, and uh, they're both terrific in it. Who would have thought an architect and a graphic artist could hook up? It seems so unusual. (laughs) Well, they meet on the Metro North train, which also, you know, a few years later, I was taking that very same train line. So this was a very nostalgic look at mid-'80s. Uh, New York City. This New York felt like workaday New York, and it was like two people, a chance meeting. They're both married and established, and that chance meeting cascades into a love story. It's a very unlikely love story. It's not predictable. No? It's not formulaic. And I think that's why it, I think it made a lot of people somewhat uncomfortable watching it because if they put themselves in the place oh. of the people in the film, it's like, uh-oh, what are you going to do? And, right. and these Be two careful people. who you have lunch with. It could upend your life. And the stakes are well established. Like, they know the choices that they're making, and they're difficult. And these two great actors really do a good job in selling it. Also, Harvey Keitel Thank plays you. Thank you. best friend. So, Falling in Love, Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep star in this 1984, I would say, melodramatic romance with a touch of comedy and yeah. a touch of bittersweet sadness. It really shows two actors at their youthful prime. So yeah. let's move on. You can't to actually th- say at the top of their game about the two of them. Because well, because they're, they're always yeah, at the, the top, top of their, of their game. game. <laughs> let's not forget that they were in The Deer Hunter together mm-hmm. six years before this yeah. or eight years before this or seven years before this. Gosh, they have long okay. careers, don't they? Thank God. And may they keep having long careers because they are the greats they of don't our stop. business. Well, now it's time for Instant. Instant Picks. <laughs> instant Picks. Warner Archive Instant, our streaming video on demand service. We talk about it every week. It's still new because we're always adding new content, and we are now on, as well as PC and Mac, and Roku, and Roku Stick. Yeah. We are available on iPad, and in iPad and Roku, you get to watch movies 1080p HD, and we're always adding new content in HD, as well as lots of television, and now short subjects. There's always something new at Warner Archive Instant. Go to warnerarchiveinstant.com and sign up for your two-week free trial today if you haven't already done so. So we each have instant picks every week to share with you. Matt, what was your instant pick this week? Well, we were just talking about love, and we were just talking about Mickey Rooney. So I combined the two to Love Finds Andy Hardy from 1938. This has a was a more recent release uh, in yeah. the second Andy Hardy DVD yeah. collection. Uh, but this one is a lot of fun. Andy Hardy has to choose between taking two girls to the Christmas dance. And there's a third girl waiting in the wings. Yes. There's not only Anne Rutherford uh, mm-hmm. as his long-suffering Polly Benedict, but there's also, this is the first appearance of Judy Garland in the series as Betsy Booth, in which she sings... Uh, two or three songs and uh, she's heartbroken over Andy and she even has her own moment to shine but then there's the absolutely stunning Lana (laughs) Turner who by the count of the clock was either 15 or 16 years old when she made this movie yeah but I I don't know she might have been older because she certainly looked older (laughs) yep well you know Uh, Andy Hardy had a way of uh, love homing in on uh, his life and uh, he buys a wonderful new jalopy, too, which was another love of The his. jalopy that would stay with him for most of the series. But uh, excellent pick. Dan. Dan. Well, you see, I was afraid you were going to say love 
and Nazis, meaning that you had picked what I was going to pick. <laughs> Thankfully, you picked Mickey Rooney, leaving me free to suggest, strongly suggest, that people sample the service just to watch this film, mm. This Land is Mine, Great. directed by Jean Renoir, one of the finest directors of all time, starring Charles Lawton, one of the finest actors of all time, with a magnificent supporting cast, a great story, a great script. Yeah, it's a World War II propaganda picture, but it puts you solidly in the occupation, and if you watch this film without crying, you're soulless. And this is in 1080p HD if you're watching on Roku or watching on iPad. When we talked about this one before, I, the thing that struck with me most was how sort of allegorical the setting was because it felt like Europe, but it wasn't specific yeah. to a place, so it could be anywhere. It's France, but it's France as is seen through the prism of downtown, hometown USA. Yeah, it could be anywhere. And who wants to live with Nazis? And it also shows that, like... Patriotism means more than just, just fighting. picking up yeah, than yeah. fighting. As Matt mentioned before, we were talking about Love Finds Andy Hardy. Love Finds Andy Hardy is part of the Andy Hardy Film Collection, Volume 2, which has 10 Andy Hardy films in a five-disc mm -hmm. set. And that's available on DVD from the Warner Archive Collection. But you can now watch Love Finds Andy Hardy as part of Warner Archive Instant. Accordingly, you can also buy the DVD of This Land is Mine from the Warner Archive Collection. And my instant pick is also something you could buy on DVD from the Warner Archive Collection. But if you've never seen it before, you can watch it in HD on Warner Archive Instant, and it'll blow your mind because it looks gorgeous. And it's an MGM production from 1933 starring Clark Gable and Gene Harlow called Hold Your Man. Mm. And this is... The reunion picture of Gable and Harlow after Red Dust. Mm -hmm. They are a remarkable pair, and uh, they're kind of grifters, both of them, in their own way. And it's a pretty remarkable movie in that, you know, it is a romantic melodrama that goes from meet cute to a very sort of poignant and real thing. Yeah. yeah. I was thrilled to watch it in HD because we had done so much work on it mm -hmm. and I had never seen it in HD <laughs> until it got into Water Archive Instant. I have to say that the pair together launched many a Tumblr blog. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. this this uh, film and Red Dust, like I'm constantly seeing them pop up on Tumblr. Hold your Red Dust. Yeah. Hold your Red Dust. <laughs> yeah. So those are just three of the latest editions, and we're always adding more motion pictures and television programs. So remember, go to WarnerArchiveInstant.com and sign up for your two-week free trial today if you're not already a member because there's always something new to watch on Warner Archive Instant. Now let's go to the correspondence section of the program as Matthew will open up letters or cards or pajamas or whatever has been sent in the mail to the Warner Archive Collection podcast. And if people want to send us anything in the mail, where should they send it, Matt? To Warner Archive Collection, B160-8, 3400 Riverside Drive, Burbank, California, 91522. And I must have been saying it clearly because we got a lot of letters this week. More letters than we can read, probably. Yeah, and so I'm going to pick them just sort of based on the color or decoration of the envelope. Well, let's give a shout out to all the return addresses so they know that their okay. letter will get read shortly. All right, let's see what we've or got longly. here. Or longly. Or longly. We've got Tim from Farmington, Michigan. Michelle from Evanston, Illinois. 
Melanie from Garden Grove, Frank from Horsham, Pennsylvania, and somebody who I can't read their first name from Linwood, Ontario. Hey, Canada. All right. So I'm going to go with this big one first from Michelle from Evanston, Illinois, because this is a very large manila but bright, bright orange envelope. It's the thriller from manila. <laughs> oh, look, I can already see the crayons. Oh, crayons. <laughs> Oh, we got to call uh, this out. Sorry. I, I, I Go there first. Go there first. All right. She uh, has um, a gratuitous Doctor Who reference, my iPhone case cover, and her iPhone is a TARDIS. So is mine. You guys have, like, the same iPhone case. Yeah, I never go anywhere without my TARDIS or my Gallifreyan watch. No, uh, it no, is a great watch. In the interest of sharing, I have a Dalek on my phone. Now, it isn't just because all the Doctor Who programming is available from Warner Home Video, courtesy of BBC Video, which distributes no. the Warner Home Video. It is truly because we three are all Whovians. George, I don't, I don't mean to really dovetail us too much, but your watch is great because it's like an anal. What is, what is it officially called? Like the orology, or I don't. It has Gallifreyan symbols, but, uh, it, but I it actually tells... have a, a working. It isn't. It doesn't travel through time. But I do have a TARDIS in my house. That is true. So it's true. And it lights up. All and right. It, it is bigger on the inside. And it needs to be bigger, bigger on, the on the inside, inside given inside. how many discs and laser discs are at That's George's true. House. That's and true. And I haven't even mentioned the 35 and 60 millimeters. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, podcasters. I learned about your podcast from Buck Benny over at the Jack Benny podcast. And right away, I ordered copies of the Danny Kaye, Sam Goldwyn collection, and the horn blows at midnight, and George Washington slept here. That is good taste. I'm going to have to check out this yeah. Jack Benny podcast. I really enjoy your podcast and love Warner Archive streaming. On my wish list would be to release a copy of Love Thy Neighbor with Jack Benny and Fred Allen. Keep up the good work, and thanks for giving me an excuse to play with crayons. <laughs> <laughs> Sincerely yours, Michelle, Evanston, Illinois. That is a great letter, and we also will thank you for the kind words, and also the Danny Kay Golden Years Collection is one of our best-selling releases, and both The Horn Blows at Midnight and George Washington Slept Here have been selling really, really well, and people waited a long time for all those films to come out, and we're so glad that they're successful, and... Love what? Thy Neighbor? The, Love Thy Neighbor is not our movie, so we cannot ah. provide it. Thanks for reminding me yeah. about that. We can't provide films we do not own unless we are able to uh, get the rights to them. As much as we like Fred Allen. Yes. <laughs> All right. Here's one from Melanie from Garden Grove. This is a fuchsia envelope with a robot sticker, and it's well taped. I saw that movie, A Fuchsia Good Men. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hold on. I'm, I'm opening this. This envelope, which is well taped, um, always good to tape your envelopes well so that it can delay me opening them and I can chatter. Dear fellas, since discovering the podcast, I've been an avid weekly listener. I've especially enjoyed the special presentations, such as the interview with Barbara Stanwyck biographer Victoria Wilson and the radio broadcast of The Horn Blows at Midnight, starring comedian extraordinaire Jack Benny. Speaking of Jack Benny, any plans to release? The the big broadcast of 1937 or Warner Brothers, The Meanest Man in the World. Thanks, and keep up the good work, Melanie. Well, Melanie, the big broadcast of 1937 is a Paramount movie that's owned by Universal, so we're not able to release that. And The Meanest Man in the World is a 20th Century Fox movie, so we're not able to release that. But we really do appreciate your listening to 
our podcasts and your support of our podcasts. And there will be more vintage podcasts and interviews. We recommend you check out the recent interview we did with Scott Iman on oh, his wonderful book yeah. about John Wayne. And I have to say, uh, Melanie, your last name is the same as my very favorite Jack Kirby comic. So <laughs> here's to you. Okay, this is a large padded envelope from Tim in Farmington, Michigan, who also has whoa, whoa, so whoa. buttons keep falling out. Badges. Uh, these say oaf. I imagine I'm now on the floor picking them up. I'm handing them to Dan along with the stamps on it, though. Oh, Tim, no stamps. You make <clears throat> well, my life hard. This is from a high school. Hello, Warner Archives crew. I have uh, just recently discovered your podcast and have really been enjoying it. I think you do a great job of informing the audience what is available and creating interest in the titles. I know it has definitely inspired me to purchase several titles from the archives. I wanted to ask Excellent. about a few titles that remain difficult to find, like Nicholas Ray's The Lusty Men or Wind Across the Everglades, and also Sam Fuller's The Run of the Arrow. Are there any plans to release these titles in the future? I also thought about, have you ever thought about a Warner Archive t-shirt? I think the logo would look great. I am a high school history teacher, and I run a film club of my students. We are called OAF, the Organization for the Appreciation of Film, hence the buttons. I have been encouraging my members to listen to the podcast as well. I have enclosed three of our club buttons to make you all official members. Hello, Oaf. Do you have any suggestions for teens just testing the waters with classic cinema? Thanks for the hard work on the archives and the great podcast. Best Tim from the social studies department of a high school. I don't know if I can name it, but it is in Michigan. That's right. Well, it's in Northville, Michigan. I can say that. Yeah. Well, I have some recommendations right off the bat. I already said where I just talked about This Land is Mine, which is a I just had the oh, same thought. Uh, this I Land mean, is Mine. what a film to stimulate discussion in the classroom. And another film, which I just, uh, people are going to think I'm crazy, but I talk about a lot, and there's a reason. King Kong, look at that film script. Ruth Rose's script for King Kong is a model of efficient, great screenwriting. And personally, this has nothing to do with Warner Archive, but... Uh, Charlie Chaplin's City Lights is one of the most magnificent films anyone could ever see, and it has a hysterical boxing sequence. And I will have to talk about only films that we own and control. The first thing that came to my mind was Gabriel over the White House. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's, um, yeah, for social, yes. These are social studies. If yeah. you want to talk about, and, and of course, as long as we're in that mode, we'll add Wild Boys of the Road. Yeah, yeah. The three films that Tim asked about are all different parts of the works from Warner Archive, meaning we will eventually bring you all of them. And Run of the Arrow was one of the first titles in Warner Archive Instant. It is not currently in Warner Archive Instant as titles cycle in and cycle out, but it probably will be back. But we will eventually be remastering Run of the Arrow and remastering Wind Across the Everglades. In both cases, we do not have 16 by 9 original aspect ratio masters, and we will not release a film if we can't release it in its original aspect ratio and in 16 by 9. No 4 by 3 letterbox acceptable for the DVDs and Blu-rays that we put out. So those films will be coming in the future, but The Lusty Men has been remastered. We're working on finishing the master right now and should be announcing availability hopefully in the next few weeks. So this is a new master coming off of the original camera negative 
and it is a tribute to the genius of Nicholas Ray, and we can never get enough Nicholas Ray, and this has been never on DVD, one of the films people have been really asking for, and just like we brought you Showboat, James Whale's wonderful 1936 Showboat a few weeks ago, when we bring a film to DVD for the first time that lots and lots of people have been looking for, it is an event, and the arrival of The Lusty Men, starring Susan Hayward, and Robert Mitchum will certainly be an event. So this is the news flash from the podcast. We don't have a date yet because we're still fixing and working on making the master as good as it can be. And the lusty men coming soon from the Warner Archive collection on DVD. I just want to say, as somebody who went through a very good film program in my high school, I always Me felt... Me too. I Lexington always, High, how are you? I always felt that they overlooked genre films. Uh, not when I was I, in class. Well, not, they had, not in high school either. That's all we saw with genre films. Really? And Lenny Reifenstein. Uh, you know, I, yeah. saw, <laughs> I saw a lot of musicals. And, oh, no. uh, but, you know, it was like all very Citizen Kane. Americathon. Americathon is a good one for kids because oh, yeah. it's got a history lesson and it's funny. And you know what? I think that kids would enjoy a screening of The Green Slime. Because you can talk a lot about different foreign film production And the importance of wiping your feet. And, you know, that can lead to a lot of good YouTube videos. Now, uh, if the gentleman that wrote this letter sends me an email at theallenjenkins at gmail.com with his shirt size, he might get a surprise in the mail. Ooh. You mean... Surprise, surprise, surprise. Well, I'm surprised that all this time has passed and we have to wrap up this Warner Archive Collection all right. podcast. The other two letters for next week. And more letters that will be hopefully coming to us in the mail because we're always looking for more correspondence. But on that note, we want to thank you for listening to this Warner Archive Collection podcast. Make sure you look for the next one. And until next time, I'm George Feltenstein. I'm Matthew Patterson. Tumbleweed Kid. Thanks again for listening to this Warner Archive Collection podcast. <laughs>